It's time for Money for Lunch, where we feed your brain and your business with supersized portions of business and financial news. Now your host, Bert Martinez. What's up, Money for Lunchers? Man, I just, you know, got to come up with a, a catchy kind of a, I don't know, name. Money for Lunchers, nah, it's not too bad. Um, anyway, just, uh, just goofing around, just goofing around, but, I, but what I'm not goofing around about is, uh, my gratitude towards, uh, your help, uh, making us, um, one of the most uh, popular shows on, uh, platforms like, uh, Google, like, uh, iHeartRadio, like Pandora, Thank you so much uh, because of your involvement and your support. Uh, we're on all these major platforms. Thank you so much. Pandora has been uh, instrumental. We've gained, I don't know, just uh, a huge, huge amount of listeners, like three or four. Anyway, I'm just kidding. Make sure that uh, you spank the like button and Share this episode with everyone you know. You're, we're going to have a, a just another wonderful episode. And today my guest is the one and only Francis Jackson. Francis Jackson is an attorney who specializes in disability law for those seeking veterans disability benefits and social security disability benefits. Francis Jackson is a founding partner of Jackson McNichol. He has been featured on NBC, CBS, ABC, Fox Networks affiliate or Fox Network affiliates around the country. He most recently appeared as a guest of the Ben Glass of Ben Glass on the Consumer Advocate Show, discussing benefits for veterans as well as Social Security disability benefits and how his practice allows him to make a difference in the lives of people facing disability. He's also been quoted in USA Today and is listed in Cambridge's Who's Who. Mr. Jackson was honored by the National Academy of Bestselling Authors with a Quilly Award in September of 2012 for his contribution as a joint author to the Amazon bestselling book, Protect and Defend, where he wrote about protecting one's rights to veterans' disability compensation. And in 2017, Mr. Jackson was inducted into America's Most Trusted Lawyers for his outstanding work in disability law. For more information about Francis Jackson and his team, check out veteransbenefits.com, veteransbenefits.com. Francis Jackson, welcome back. Thanks, Bert. It's always a pleasure to be here. Absolutely, absolutely. And uh, are, are you joining us from uh, uh, the, uh, what do you call it, the warm comfort of Florida, or are you still nest, uh, nestled in there in uh, Maine? I, I'm in Florida today. <laughs> not not uh, not much warm comfort in Maine today, I'll tell you. <laughs> no, the the only warm again, I would call it the warm comfort in Maine today is the fact that you're in Florida. <laughs> that's, that's, that's for sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah well, you, you picked a good time uh, because uh, yeah, it looks like uh, the East Coast is just being hammered. Uh, and, uh, and and so there's no letting up. So hey, so let's uh, let's see. I'm looking at my show notes here, and, and I want to get the the party started. Uh, why don't you give us an update as to what's happening uh, now that we have a, a new administration? 
Well, you know, uh, the uh, the Congress just, uh, the Senate just uh, confirmed Dennis McDonough, and so he is now officially the uh, the new Secretary of the VA. Um, and obviously, you know, he just uh, he just got sworn in last Monday, so uh, it's uh, it's a little early to tell uh, where where that's all going. But I I think I think this is going to be a good appointment, Bert. Um, the the thing about McDonough is this is the guy who was uh, chief of staff for a while for Obama, and he he really understands how Washington works. So I think what you're going to see is that um, he's going to be able to uh, to make things uh, actually happen for the for the VA in terms of getting legislation through, in terms of uh, getting uh, regulations revised, and uh, Probably in terms of getting funds appropriated, although, as you know, that's uh, uh, that's not always as easy as uh, one might hope. But uh, uh, it, it does seem to me that uh, there's a real uh, real possibility that he's going to prove to be the uh, the proverbial mover and shaker, and uh, and get things done for our vets. I agree. I I I also share the same uh, optimism. I think that. He is. Uh, he knows. He knows the landscape. He's connected, uh, and I think that he's got a probably a better chance of of anybody else uh, to make things happen just because he's connected. He knows how the game is played. Exactly. So I I think that's all going to uh, to move forward pretty smoothly. He. Uh, he put out his first uh, kind of, um, I don't know what you want to call it, uh, broadcast uh, to the to the VA, uh, um, talking about uh, where he wants to go, and you know it's uh, it's pretty uh, pretty much of an overview, but uh, he he really has made the point that uh, President Biden thinks that it's important to uh, to support. Uh, our veterans, uh, uh, you know, and uh, to support our troops, obviously, but also to support them as they become veterans. And so he uh, he says that he's uh, going to focus on increasing access to uh, both health care and benefits. Um, so, um, you know, we just have to kind of see how that all plays out. But it, it sounds promising. And, you know, I wanted to... Uh, Talk with you a little bit, if you would, about uh, the whole Gulf War situation. You know, it's been 30 years since uh, since the Gulf War, and you and I have talked some a little, uh, talked some of, in previous uh, previous discussions about the the problems with problems that veterans from the Gulf War in particular have suffered, and the uh, a lot of a lot of folks uh, have. Uh, Lost there, a lot of uh, folks who served them have have developed serious health problems from what appear to be primarily toxic exposures over there. And you know, we talked some about burn pits and the difficulty that uh, folks have had uh, with uh, a variety of problems. But there are really two sets of of kind of Gulf War problems. One is the respiratory and related problems from the, the burn pits. Um, and the other is uh, that uh, there's, there's this 
mysterious constellation of illnesses that uh, kind of come together and is, is known as uh, Gulf War Syndrome, but it's it's a real, I mean, the, the problem with talking about Gulf War Syndrome is that it's a, a combination of symptoms that nobody seems to be able to put their finger on the exact cause, but uh, it's consistent. The, there are uh, right now at least 175,000 American servicemen and women who came home from the Gulf War and now suffer from uh, pain, fatigue, gastrointestinal problems, memory problems, and chronic neurological problems. And uh, the, the VA recognizes that this is um, a, a problem. They, they call it Gulf War Syndrome. Um, but it's, it's very frustrating for those who have it and those who try to seek benefits about it because it's not anything that anybody has been able to, to pin down. There's no blood test for it. There's no, huh. you know, there's, there's no particular uh, single diagnostic test, basically you have to look and see, okay, does this person have pain? Do they have fatigue? Do they have GI problems? Do they have memory problems? Uh, and, you know, kind of put that all together and say, yep, okay. Most likely that you've got uh, this mysterious uh, Gulf War illness, but uh, it's, a, it's a terrible thing for these veterans that have to deal with it because not only is there no... Um, diagnosis, uh, you know, no no formal way to diagnose the problem. But there's also no real treatment. Uh, you you know, you have to kind of treat the, the individual symptoms. And because of that, it's a real problem for veterans who try to apply for benefits because it's, you know, I mean, trying to prove an undiagnosed illness is, uh, is a very a very difficult thing, almost by definition, but it's uh, it's really uh, it's really a problem, and I don't know that um, it's it's going to uh, uh, improve anytime soon unless they can ultimately figure out what the cause is for this ongoing problem. But certainly, it is a problem. It's even recognized by VA as a problem, which is a major step forward. Uh, but uh, it's hard to know where where that's all going. You know the uh, and well, you know what's it, interesting is uh, is first of all, and you know this better than anybody else, is that even when you have a a known issue or diagnosis, sometimes that in itself can be a challenge getting through the VA. In this case here, you have this this. Uh, unclassified illness or whatever you want to call it uh, set of set of uh, symptoms that at least as you pointed out the VA is recognizing that they're aware of it and they understand that it's a that it's an issue and, and stuff like that but even when it's recognized it can be a very difficult thing to get the VA to uh, what do you call it to, to pay those benefits or provide benefits it's got to only be what, like a gazillion times harder when it's this vague, uncharacterized un situation. That's right. That's right. 
it's a it's and, a real problem. And, and you know, and just for those just for those individuals who are not familiar with these burn pits and the stuff like that, uh, I, I want to dive in a little bit deeper because basically these are o- open pits, just like somebody might do in their backyard with, or that we've seen people do with trash cans where they just start dumping a bunch of stuff and and but in this case they dumped all sorts of stuff, toxic, non-toxic. I mean, we're talking everything was dumped into these massive pits and and the soldiers had no protection or had minimal protection and so they were just they were just sucking down these toxic fumes. That's right. Basically what uh, what the military did was they didn't as you know, this this is a force that's now thousands of miles from the U.S., plumped down in the middle of the Middle East with no uh, no real uh, way to uh, dispose of bulky waste. So what they did was just burn it. And it didn't matter what it was, wrecked equipment, um, destroyed uh, captured equipment, um, you know, munitions. Uh, I mean, obviously, they tried to make sure they didn't have munitions that were going to explode, but, you know, remnants of, of munitions. Um, and all kinds of waste up, up to and including human waste. They just dumped it all and poured uh, all kinds of uh, flammables on it and set it on fire. Um, and so the, uh, the films from that contain everything in the world. I mean, you're, you're burning stuff that, you know, is, uh, is uh, anything from a destroyed tank to, uh, to yesterday's uh, latrine contents. You know, it's, it's not, it's not good stuff. And they're, they're just burning it, and uh, it, it ends up uh, either if, if it's if the remnants are non-flammable, it, it ends up uh, getting buried afterwards, or if uh, if it's flammable, it ends up going into either gas or ash. And as you said, the soldiers around that get exposed to it, and there's no uh, there's no knowing what uh, what might be in there in terms of toxins. The uh, uh, the EPA folks would have a heart attack if they had to, if they'd been able to measure something. <laughs> yeah, the, the, uh, yeah, it's, it's just terrible stuff. Yeah, and but, so, go ahead. No, no, go ahead. I, I didn't want to cut you off. No, no, I, I was just going to say. So, so just, just, uh, I, I guess for the for the sake of veterans that might be thinking, hey, I might have been exposed to some of the stuff in the burn pits. Um, because it's a, uh, what do you call it? Because it's this weird vagueness type thing, uh, this illness that isn't 100% nailed down, they still file a claim anyway in the same process, right? They still have to fill out the claim. There, there's That's no, right. okay, just wanted to make sure, okay. Yep, no, that's the same same process. And, you know, if, uh, if, if they're fortunate, uh, they get a uh, uh, an evaluation of a, a, uh, what the VA calls a C&P examination, a compensation and pension examination, just a, basically a medical exam by someone who understands Gulf War illness and will pick up on the symptoms. Uh, unfortunately, that's that's not always the case, and so sometimes people just uh, get turned down for for really no particularly good reason other than that they have an examiner who really didn't uh, understand this whole Gulf War illness problem. But um, that, you know, that uh, obviously can lead to years of appeals and delays and, and getting their benefits, which is unfortunate. Uh, 
But one one other thing I wanted to to, uh, to touch on, Bert, you you asked about uh, the new administration coming in. I I know you know because you've got a daughter who's uh, been in the service. But uh, for a lot of folks, uh, a lot of a lot of folks don't realize that typically, if a, a person who is a national of a different country agrees to serve in the U.S. military, in exchange we offer them citizenship. And that's that's one of the ways that uh, uh, foreign nationals can become U.S. citizens. So what has happened under under the Trump people? They went to a lot of effort to uh, to deal with immigration in various ways, as you know. And one of the things that they did was to try to undo uh, the normal award of citizenship for. Uh, immigrant soldiers or veterans, uh, they were getting their national naturalization applications um, turned down at a, at a much higher rate than uh, uh, than had typically been true. And one of the things that the Biden folks are doing is they've already announced that they're reviewing uh, the uh, the whole policy of deporting anyone who is a veteran or military family members uh, that. Uh, was being potentially subject to deportation under the Trump policies. So I, I think that's a really good thing. I mean, I think it's only fair that if somebody is willing to come and put their life on the line and serve in our military, they ought to be rewarded with what we promised them, which is naturalization and an opportunity to uh, bring their family. So Absolutely. And, and you know what? And, and I, I want to also interject this because there was a lot of – news coverage about people who had served in the military who were deported after after whatever their their uh they were deported several years after they were no longer in uh, uh in the military and, and they were deported you know for primarily what i think are some low level offenses uh you know there were several i think if I'm not mistaken, all of them, uh, all of these soldiers that were deported or, or former soldiers uh, were deported because of some addiction issue, either, uh, you know, either prescribed uh, uh, medication or uh, recreational drugs. And to me, kind of like what you were what you were saying, somebody puts their life on the line for our country. I think that they deserve a second, maybe even a third shot of getting clean. And, and, and I think they should be allowed to, uh, you know, stay and, and, and work through those issues. A lot of these, a lot of these service people uh, pick up these addictions because they're on the front line because, you know, you're, you're dealing with, uh, such bad situations that you're, you know, you're trying to uh, self-medicate, and and I think it's just uh, terrible that during the Trump administration that they were so callous about it. It's to me is again these people put their life on the line. They saw some horrible things. They 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 were shot at. They maybe had to take a life or two. They probably witnessed. Uh, some of their friends being killed that, you know, I think that I'd probably do drugs too. 
Yeah, and and even even uh, you know uh, folks who weren't involved in any kind of uh, drug situation, like uh, just to give you an example, there's a fellow who was a, uh, a sergeant in the Marine Corps, and you know served overseas, um, and married a lady who was an illegal immigrant, um, yes. thinking that uh, you know his uh, uh, her being married to him would protect her. And they have have kids uh, here in the here in the U.S. Uh, I remember the story. Yes, he was deported. Yeah, just uh, it's unfortunate. You know, it, it is. It is, and, and you know what? I I just think that uh, anyway, you know, not, not to not to beat it to death, but again, if if, if you're fighting for our country, uh, yeah, I think you should be given. Uh, a a large amount of of latitude and you know the america wasn't being hurt by this illegal alien and and certainly isn't better because they deported this illegal alien uh, who was you know out in the open raising uh her kids literally helping the military by taking care of her family and so to uh, throw her away, for lack of better terms, to deport her like you know, like she was worthless and, and uh, amounted to nothing, I, I just thought that was a, a stain on America, and and, and it spoke volumes to uh, the Republican Party at that time. I think to the Trump administration at that time. You know, we have so many issues that to pluck. This mother, I think it was two. I think she was a mother of two, who, you know, they had been married for a very long time, and just say, hey, we're gonna, we're gonna deport her. I mean, come on, there's like a gazillion people in jail that should be deported first before you go after people who are law-abiding, but for, you know, that maybe that one transgression. And, and again, I'm not saying that if if you're coming over here illegally. You should be, you know, whatever, uh, given some kind of special consideration. I'm just saying that on a case-by-case basis, it's not always black and white. It's, it's exactly. In this situation, you had a, 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 a lady who was married to a, a serviceman for, I think, something like 17 or 18 years. Uh, maybe it was 15 years, but it was, you know, a, a certain amount of – a significant amount of time. It wasn't like she just got married a year ago and whatever – as you mentioned, and as I mentioned, they had a couple of kids. It just was not the best example of that deportation law. That's for sure. No, I, and, I think I think that's you know I, I think that's a a a policy that I would I would hope the Biden administration would uh, would reverse and, and handle better on it, as you put it, a case by case basis. Yeah, I mean, and, and and just just for those individuals who are listening who don't know this, listen, I'm I am an immigrant. My family and I came here from Cuba, and, and we we were we were lucky. <laughs> we were lucky because at that time, America was in dispute with Cuba, and they were trying to show that America was awesome and that Cuba was not so awesome. And if you were Cuban and you wanted to come to America, 
God bless America because America made it easy. Oh, you want to come over here and you're from Cuba? Let's just roll out the red carpet. And, and, and it was a, a wonderful thing. And, and, and so I have a lot, of, a lot of gratitude and a lot of uh, love in my heart for America because they roll, literally rolled out the red carpet for, for my family and I. My grandmother, who spoke no English, by the time she came over here, she was uh, in her late 60s, had no marketable trade. And and my great aunt as well, no English, no marketable trade. They were given subsidized housing, uh, and 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 they worked whatever whatever domestic jobs they could get. But you know, but bottom line is, uh, you know, I, I understand what it is to come over here and to be allowed to live in America, and I understand why a lot of immigrants want to come over here. And I also understand the other side of that coin where people are saying, well, you know, if you're coming over here, you got to do it through legal channels. Yes, I get that. And I think that's the best, uh, that's the best way to do it. But if you're, if you are, if you're trying to take care of your family, sometimes uh, coming over here by, by any means uh, is your only choice, or at least what you think is your only choice. And, and so, uh, you know, I, I think that uh, uh, to me, it's not, necessarily an easy solution i mean yes on on paper it is because hey this person broke the law let's send them back to mexico or honduras or wherever they came from uh but at the same time you know i i don't uh i don't what do you call it uh want to negate anybody from trying to take care of their family now if they're coming over here to do bad things or to be disruptive or you know to uh, uh what do you call it be a what they say contributing zero, then yeah, send them back. But if they're over here, they're, you know, the, they're trying to do their best. And sometimes they have to be sent back anyway. But my point being to all that um, very, very uh, long winded way of saying is, you know, I get it. And, and it's a tough decision on both sides, but I think for our military people, yes, let's give them a pass. That's a long way of saying that. It's just, uh, it's just, anyway, um, all right. So, what else? What else can we? What else can? What else you got for us today? Oh, a couple of a uh, couple of good things, Bert. Just uh, some just little bits and pieces here and there. Um, the uh, the recent uh, assignment of all these National Guard troops at the Capitol. Yeah. Um, that uh, that's going to count uh, as a uh, federal deployment for them. So they uh, that counts as active duty. And so anyone. Uh, of them who was injured or anything will will be uh, eligible for VA benefits, which is a good thing. Um, and I, I don't know if all of your listeners understand how this works, but when the National Guard or Reserves are called up, they can be called up one of two ways. They can either be called up uh, at, as state-level duty or as federal duty. And if they're called up as state-level duty, then it's not actually covered by uh, the VA if something happens. It was a, a sad case here a few years ago. You probably remember the, the incident. Um, the Oklahoma Penitentiary was taken over by uh, inmates and for several days. It was a really bad situation. People killed and all that. And they called up the Oklahoma National Guard to put the, put the uh, insurrection down, which they did. And, of course, you know, given the circumstances, as you can imagine, um, a number of uh, the members of the guard were injured, some of them quite seriously. 
and they were not eligible for federal benefits because uh, this was not a, uh, a federal call-up. This was a state call-up for a state emergency, and so those folks who were, who were injured and who would, you would normally think would be eligible for VA benefits were not. But um, the, uh, the recent call-up to the Capitol was federal, and so um, the Guard members who, uh, like uh, Capitol Police and others, uh, were, were injured in the process uh, are are covered and are entitled to uh, to VA benefits for any injuries and disabilities from that, which is a good thing. Um, there are some other just kind of little loose ends here that uh, I think are of interest to benefits, uh, interest to vets about benefits. One is that uh, uh, veterans are are uh, having a, a tougher time than uh, than usual in the current market to uh, to get jobs. The Unemployment rate for veterans has uh, has gone up a little, unfortunately. Mm. Uh, but uh, as as we know, uh, the president is currently working on a uh, a program of unemployment benefits. So uh, hopefully that will pass and that will help out these folks in the in the uh, in the short run. Uh, right now, the uh, the veterans unemployment rate. Uh, has, uh, has jumped up to 5.5%, which is not outrageous, but as you know, that's uh, certainly higher than the uh, employment rate has been the last few years by substantial numbers. And, you know, it's, um, it's uh, now jumped from the uh, 5.5 in December to uh, 6.3 in January. So it's, it's continuing to rise, which is uh, a little concerning. But uh, I'm, I'm hopeful that as the uh, COVID vaccine rolls out and things normalize a bit, um, that uh, returning veterans are, are going to be uh, able to get down to kind of the, at least the, the baseline level of unemployment with everybody else rather than being higher. And, and, and so are they higher simply because of the COVID? Uh, or is there another explanation why they're 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 a little bit higher? It's hard to know, Bert, but the, the best guess is it's about COVID. I mean, what, what happens, as you can imagine, is uh, a lot of uh, veterans who, who have fulfilled their obligations and, and left the service um, have been in branches of the military that don't contribute to particular uh, you know, civilian uh, uh, specialties or occupations. You know, if you you've been an infantryman for the last three years, there's not really a good um, civilian uh, comparison that you can jump right into. So a lot of those folks take a little time to kind of find a, kind of find their way uh, in the market, and uh, a lot of them end up uh, with jobs that are, that are currently uh, tougher to get than normal, uh, you know, server jobs, uh, bar, you know, bars, hotels, uh, restaurants, uh, and as you know, all of those uh, those uh, particular areas of the economy have been uh, hurt pretty badly by uh, this whole COVID pandemic. So uh, my best guess is that it's really just about COVID. But, you know, there's never, uh, I mean, it's, it's not, not like you can really tell for sure. But that's, that's, that's the best guess, that it's COVID. And, and hopefully that will, will turn around as... Uh, as the economy recovers. But in the short run, I'm hopeful that President Biden will get his uh, bill through and 
there'll be some unemployment benefits to carry these folks forward until the economy recovers. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Uh, I am I am very uh, optimistic, very and definitely very uh, uh, excited about uh, the new administration and, and and the focus that they seem to be bringing to the VA and and some of these other issues. So uh, yeah, let's let's see what they do with it. Um, you said you had, I think, a one more piece of uh, update. Yeah, one, one other, not not so uh, not so upbeat point, I'm afraid. But uh, one of the things that that the uh, VA health people are very concerned about is, uh, as as you know, um, suicide among veterans has been a, a an ongoing problem and an ongoing concern, and the uh, the the folks at the VA are are worried that all the isolation and stress from the pandemic um, is uh, is creating a, a situation that is likely to uh, uh, cause an, an ongoing upswing in the in the suicide rate. The, uh, the the problem is, you know, in in the in the current moment, certainly. Uh, Mental health issues and suicide issues are up across the country, and I don't, I don't think there's much question that that's uh, been brought on by the pandemic. But the, the thing that the VA folks are worried about is that um, that may not be easily reversed for uh, veterans who are already uh, somewhat isolated from the mainstream in many cases, and that uh, that's going to be a uh, a real issue going forward uh, for at least a period of time, despite all of the uh, legislative improvements that were made over the last few years to try to um, extend support and uh, mental health services to uh, to veterans to try to alleviate these suicide problems. So that's that's kind of the other uh, issue that's um, floating on the horizon. Nobody nobody really knows yet whether. It's going to uh, be as bad as they fear, but uh, you know certainly the, the folks at the VA are worried that we're going to see a significant uptick, and, and worse yet, an ongoing uptick in mm. veteran suicide. Yeah, and, and I imagine that definitely got uh, exacerbated just simply because of the isolation and, and all that other stuff that's been happening the last, you know, whatever, 12 13, 14 months. Yep. And so um, I, I just want to do a quick shout out here for, for those who are listening and, and, and you have questions regarding veterans benefits, or even if you have questions regarding social, social security disability benefits, go to veteransbenefits.com and Francis and his team can help you. They can point you in the right direction. They can let you know uh, what to expect and that's veteransbenefits.com. And, and, and uh, Jackson, uh, I should say, Francis, anything else uh, that we want to close up with? No, I, I think we've hit the high points, Bird. I, I think the, the good news is uh, we've got a new administration that, uh, that seems to be uh, genuinely committed to uh, taking care of veterans and uh, has put a guy in charge that uh, knows how to make things happen in Washington. And I'm very hopeful that uh, we're going to see some some real uh, good news over the next few years. Yes, absolutely. I, I'm, I'm hopeful as well. And uh, as always, uh, Francis, thank you so much for stopping by. It's been a pleasure. 
Always a pleasure to be here with you, Bert. Take care. Thank you. Good stuff there from Veterans Disability Lawyer Francis Jackson. And again, that website is veteransbenefits.com, veteransbenefits.com. Maybe you've been denied and you think that it's game over. Let me tell you, 90%, maybe even 100%, but at least 90% of the work that they do at veteransbenefits.com is with denied claims. That's one of their areas of expertise. They, they have the bloodhounds to put the, the uh, what do you call it, the evidence together. They have the medical uh, experts to help, uh, what do you call it, uh, put, a, put the medical spin on it, if you will, uh, to, to be able to diagnose the situation. They have the entire team at veteransbenefits.com. And so that's why it's so important for everyone listening today to please share this episode with everyone you know. I'm going to put the link here in the show notes, veteransbenefits.com. I am passionate about getting help to our brave men and women, and so is Francis Jackson and his team. I cannot say this enough. Uh, They are some of the very, very best people I've ever met. They are genuinely caring about their customers, and they hold their hands through the entire process. And let me tell you, that process, in some extreme cases, have taken over a decade. And they don't win anything unless the the veteran recovers. So they're, in some cases, they have to fork out literally tens of thousands of dollars, and then sometimes... Um, they, they have to wait, and, and 90% of the time, I think they win, or maybe something like 95 or 97% of the time. They're extremely successful, but don't take my word for it. Go to veteransbenefits.com, check them out, kick the tires, ask the questions, and they'll point you in the right direction. And the best thing about it is they'll do it at no cost. So, my friends, please, let's share this episode with everyone you know. Remember, you were created to succeed. Tune in Monday through Friday here on Money for Lunch. And check out our website at moneyforlunch.com.